Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the After Show with Mackenzie Stewart and Amy Shannon. We have over 15 years of literary excuse me, experience between us. Our mission is to educate and assist authors of all writing levels. Hello, Amy. How's it going? Well, I'm doing better than last week. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's cough awesome. Always good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. The, the cough comes and goes, So, but uh, today's not so bad. So, um, so I, I suspect you did not take advantage of my home remedy advice that I gave you last week after the show. Um, <laughs> which I don't necessarily think that uh, doctors would approve um, in modern yeah, medicine, <laughs> especially when I said that it was something that was given to me as a child that I probably should not have had, but, you know, I'm still kicking, you know, I'm still, you know, so apparently it made me stronger. Um, but anyway, no, I'm glad well, that you Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the chamomile tea and trend. honey and yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, yeah. my mom used to rub whiskey on our gums because when we were teething. I mean, <laughs> fifty yeah. years ago. There so <laughs> there, you, that's what I'm talking about. Like those I'm things. Still work. alive. And, that, and look, and that tooth just came right on through, didn't it? Oh yes, it did. No pain at all. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And, and look, you know what? You and, and you, as a child, you didn't even feel it because <laughs> it was a little, a little, a little yeah. uh, liquor there. <laughs> it just seemed normal. I mean, you know, it was like your mom's helping you out. She made you feel better. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well, Amy, I am definitely glad you're feeling better and you're. I can hear your giggle, and it always makes me happy when uh, I can hear you laugh uh, and enjoy, um, you know, definitely what we do. Uh, You know, one of the things that um, I've been talking about, and I definitely want us to kind of keep the conversation going about um, the self-publishing industry. I think we still have a ways to go. Um, I, you know, from the time that you started to self-publish, you know, when, you know, when you started, things changed, right? Things were updated with technology. So I think that the industry um, definitely changed or is changing. It changed for the better. We have more um, technology and those type of things that we can uh, utilize to, um, you know, for audio books and so for, you know, some of those different things. And I'm really glad because now I feel like we are, are really tapping into the market to help anyone who has a, um, a disability for them to be able to love and enjoy books the way we do, right? So, you know, you can yeah. um, listen to it on your computer. You, you know, you can have the computer read it to you. You can listen to it, um, you know, you know, just, you know, through your phone. You can definitely listen. So I, I really do think that those particular um, technological advancements um, really, really is bringing reading books to everybody. I think that's true because um, I, um, because of my disability, my eyes do get tired and sometimes blurry from reading too much or Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they just go out and I can't see anything. So a lot of times I'll just, whatever book I'm reviewing, um, if it's not an audio book, I, um, I usually ask people if they're going to send me one, send me a PDF, because that's the easiest for my computer to read to me. 
Mm-hmm. If they don't, then I can I convert it so that way I can just kind of li- lean back and listen, and and make some notes as I'm listening to whatever book I'm reviewing. Um, I I do that even when I ask or if an author is nice enough to honor me with the gift of one of their print books, especially if they autograph it. I just I mean I don't break. I look at to see what they wrote, and then I put it on my shelf. I always ask them to also send me the digital file, so that way preserve the binding of their book, and you know I can look at what they wrote. And um, sometimes I share that on social media, um, but then I can you know I can sit back and I can still listen to to their story, or I can make the print really pretty large if I need to. Mm-hmm. Um, my kin- you can have read aloud on your Kindle even if it's not an audio book. So mm-hmm. um, that's also an option. And of course, you can make the the print bigger um, to help people read. I take advantage of all those things. Um, mm-hmm. It's the only way I would be able to get through. Uh, you know, keep doing what I love to do, and that is read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that the advances in technology um, is making reading and books available to everybody, which that always puts a smile on my face. Um, the the other piece that I think our industry, the self-publishing industry, we still have a ways to go. Um, you know, just just from the... Um, previous or old, um, you know, stigmas that came along with self-publishing. Because when I told people a couple years ago I was self-publishing, it was it was seen as a negative, and I was asked why, and I was asked, well, why, why, you know, why aren't you getting I don't know, I'm just going to name one random house to, to publish your book. And so then I had to break it down to them, and then they went, oh, oh, I see. Yeah. Right? And so I had to explain that process. But that's from a reader perspective. Uh, so I'm going to let you comment on that, and then we can talk about from an author perspective. Yeah, from, you know, back then, it's like, oh, well, you know, somebody would have said why your book isn't good enough for that mm-hmm. particular mm-hmm. publisher. You know, mm-hmm. that was like the first thing. It's like um, when I first published my book, I I sent – I wasn't even going to send it out. I was just I, – oh, I wrote, I, wrote, I wrote this manuscript. I had people read it. Um, oh, you should, you know, try to get it published. Um, and I had two rejections and because I didn't know that, um, they didn't, I didn't know enough about submitting, um, they didn't to say, oh, what kind of genres, you know, it just, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, it just didn't fit our particular genre. And then mm-hmm. I, I had a, a yes and I didn't realize that it was print on demand, which is different than the vanity press. Um, mm-hmm. but I was like still excited. I was getting my my first book that I ever wrote was getting published, um, mm-hmm. and the and I did again with a couple others after that. And then I couldn't wait. <clears throat> after going through those processes, I learned that I didn't want to go through that process again because I wanted to be able to have control of my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was why I decided to okay, I'm gonna write all these I just I stopped looking at publishing for a while. I was just writing. That's what I wanted to do. I just was writing and then things happened in my personal life and then writing was my outlet and then I was like when things started to settle down I'm like I looked into you know, what self publishing meant and um, 
And it wasn't until, you know, it was Create Space and uh, Amazon and Lulu just, uh, Lulu.com just kind of started out. And mm-hmm. I went with Lulu first because I think Lulu came out before Create Space and Amazon. And um, so I, I went through that process and I used their cover templates and which those are my pet peeves. I actually, now I just absolutely can't stand them. <laughs> um, but but it was that, like, oh, okay, I can do this. And then I'm like, well, I know how to do this, so why can't I just create my own cover and create my mm-hmm. own deadlines? And the reason I switched was just because I liked being able to control when it was going to be released, um, I didn't have to rely on the publisher, so-called publisher, to tell me that they edited the book because they didn't, or they did it poorly. So I, you know, I had the second and third pair of eyes, and I had um, editors who I knew personally, you know, edit my work, and um, and then I just kind of I never looked back when new processes came out you know uh, Amazon came out with Kindle and create space came out and there was some other ones there was stuff that was already there I wasn't at the pos- in the position where I could afford to go through uh, the hybrid um, as a lot of people do which is perfectly fine um, I just couldn't uh, my finances weren't there to where I could do that. So I wanted to see what I could do, you know, pretty much for free, you know, publish my book and, you know, do whatever I could. So I did a lot of research. I did trial and error. I I tried things out. And then, um, you know, eventually, you know, I, um, in 2000, uh, 13, I met another author and we just kind of talked online and then by she was publishing her book and I was publishing mine so we're like you know let's read each other's books and but be honest with and write a review for them because this is like reviews were newer you know I mean online reviews I mean anytime before if you had a book review a person a book review was done in a magazine, a newspaper, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a local newspaper or like US, USA Today or, you know, the New York Times. Those, you know, are where you got your reviews. Professional mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. picked up a book and usually it was a book that was just released. It's not mm-hmm. a book that they read 10 years ago. And wrote a review, and then all of a sudden, you know, there was this option to do that, and we were going to do it together after we, you know, read each other's work, and then we thought, let's expand this. And um, she passed away, um, but mm-hmm. I continued on. So, mm-hmm. um, and here I am. <laughs> you know, it's uh, my ninth year, and I'm. Very excited uh, about keep going. Oh no, I think that's I think that's great, and um, you definitely carried us from um, you know years ago to where we are now. Um, I I can only go back just a few years um, because that's when my interest um, started to um, hone into my writing skills and and being able to put things in print. So we are at the place now where, you know, how, how we are um, currently in, you know, the whole self-publishing uh, world. But I think that the one thing that kind of strikes me as odd, we are still doing, we're still, we are still using and we're still, um, still meeting, you know, certain things to help you know, to self-publish, but there's a void there, right? Because one of the things that you you mentioned was, you know, 
you, you know, New York Times, they used to like, you know, read books, you know, they would, and, and that was a thing you would buy the, buy the, the newspaper, right. And look and see what they had to say about that. And it was a big deal. Right. So we don't have enough reviewers out there. So that's the first thing. We don't have enough reviewers out there. Uh, that's the first thing. And also the second thing, there's such a negative um, connotation around reviews when you when you talk about money. Now, I'm not talking about Kirkus because people will pay that fee uh, who have the budget to do that. But, um, but when you say... It, we here's the thing. We need reviewers. That's just it. We need more than one reviewer, <laughs> right? Which is you, Amy, right? We need more than one reviewer. And you know what I'm saying? And and to me, there's a void. Like there's a void in in there's a void because in order and even we talk about the the major publishing companies, they need people to review their clients their work so yeah. everybody need, but it's it's so negative negative the first time that you say something about a, a review and and a fee to move something to the top of a re- reading list immediately about 90 percent jump to oh for, first they, they jump and say oh i don't need reviews they say that um, they're not paying for reviews, and and it's and it's not really paying for reviews. But but I'm I'm circling back to say people should probably have to pay for reviews, and I'm not, and I'm not talking about. Uh, it, it almost seems as though there needs to be some sort of um, um, school. I'm just saying that some sort of school class certification. You take that in order for you to be a reviewer, and in the industry, in the industry, self-publishing, um, then those people who go to the training to have some level of of uh, comfort for people who feel as though when someone's doing a review and you're paying them that you're paying them for the review, you're paying them for their service. It takes you a while to read a book. Oh yeah, especially those long ones. Yeah, and then you and then you got to put your thoughts together, and then and then you got maybe I should it. open a review school. So I, you know, I, I've been that. That's the thing that I've been. That's the thing that I've been thinking. You know, I keep coming back to how things need to be um, changed, how things need to evolve. And I'm just, I'm just really thinking we probably, um, yeah, I, I'm just back, I'm just back to, I, I, I just keep going, coming back to this. So, no, um, and, and that's understandable. I think a lot of it is how we, we phrase it too. You think of when you say self-published, or you, you, you automatically think of Vanity Press or. Um, something like, you know, you paid to, you paid to publish your book. So it didn't matter if your book was good or not, you publish it. That's what people think. Um, but I think if, when you say, you know, an indie author, you you look at that differently. And I, to be honest, the first time I heard the word indie was indie music and, you know, indie music groups. And I was like, what the heck does indie stand for? And that was the first, you know, first time mm-hmm. I had heard that. And and I was like, oh, it's independent and mm-hmm. um, that means they, you know, um, they started out, you know, they put their band together, they they published their music, you know, they paid for it out of their own pockets or whatever. Um, and and I was like, well, you know, uh, that's what, you know, sometimes they have to do that in order to really get out there. I mean, that's, I mean, that's how Nickelback started and look at where they are now. Um, they were an indie band. 
So, um, mm-hmm. you know, that one always stands out in my, my mind. Um, and, but then I, you know, so when you say indie, you don't look at it like, oh, you think independent and you don't think of the word self-published or, you know, self-promoted or, you know, or I paid for it all by myself. It doesn't matter, um, you know, if I paid a dollar or a hundred dollars or a million dollars to have my book published um, or I had to publish and then I bought all my books so that <laughs> it would look like I had really good sales. Um, well, you people know, do that. I mean, yeah, right. I was going to say that. We, we've kinda, I, they do. We, we've investigated and, some. Um, what is, what's the terminology? They are um, on the, uh, what is it called? That list. Um, remember that person said that they were on the, the bestseller list? Yeah, yeah. And it yeah, was just was because they were part of this book set. And the book set, they dropped it to free. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, it goes all the way up to bestselling list. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it was either dropped to free or 99 cents. So all these people would buy it, and this week they would be on that bestsellers list. And technically it's true, you know, because they lowered the price. And all the authors, I think this set had like 10 different authors, and all <laughs> the authors could legitimately say that they had a book on the bestseller list, but it's possible that maybe one or none people bought these books, you know, bought this set. Oh, 99 cents is free for getting 10 books for, you know, for free. Heck, I do that, um, you know, because um, I read so much and I read for people. So when they set it for free, I'm like, okay, then I can buy it and all that. But a lot of times you, you buy a box set with different authors and maybe – you're lucky if you if you like at least half of the stories. So just because they were part of the set doesn't mean what they wrote was any good. So Amy, so so here's the thing. So now they are. I'm saying they. That's the collective they. Whoever that that is out there. But right. Yet, right. Yet when we're saying, hey, you know, move your move your book to the top of a list for you know a few dollars. Nobody said anything about paying for a review, but these people are legitimately circumventing the system. Like that, yep. that, like that's dis- to me that was dishonest because I, I read, I said, wait a minute, something don't seem right about <laughs> something doesn't seem right. And so yeah, I had to do a lot of digging to find that. Yeah, and, and so and, and then they they'll put on their book covers and and all this other stuff that they are. Um, a part of um, uh, the, the top bookseller for the week, or Amazon top book bookseller for the, and and you're right, it's true, but it's because of something that they've done in the background to rise there to really to really score everything up, um, so that they I can know, look. I could I could have done that. There are times when I put my books for free just for like a one day promotion. And mm-hmm. they would go up to like you know within the top ten of Amazon for free, um, but I didn't count that as a best selling. I mean the book was free; it didn't sell technically. Oh right, I, mean, I exactly. could have done that, but I I I I don't. I I have morals and I have ethics, and I also think it's wrong when authors review their own work. <laughs> but that's me. <laughs> Oh wow! I've okay, seen that yeah, I, I, on Goodreads. I, I, yes, or <laughs> yeah, and they will literally say, "I am the author of of this book," and then they will write their review on their own book. Mm. Well, I could tell you, all my books are just peachy. <laughs> mine are too. Mine are like mine are so great that um, I'm getting you know knocks on my door to make it into a Hulu. <laughs> special like that's so that's how great mine are oh, me too but yeah. I, I do like that I, I must say you know how I told you about that Amazon um 
that you can, as an author, make recommendations of for mm-hmm. your own books and then someone else's. Mm-hmm. If you go to my Amazon author page and scroll through the bottom, it'll show mm-hmm. you my recommendations, and they point mm-hmm. to your books. Oh, Amy. Yeah, because oh, if somebody oh. follows me, because this, this new thing Amazon right. has, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you have an Amazon Author Central account, you know, where you publish to Amazon, you can, it'll ask you, uh, like, some questions about, like, which of your own books would you recommend? And they ask you different questions, like, which one is like this? Which one is like this? Which one would you recommend reading first? You know, that kind of stuff for your own book. And then they ask you what you recommend for other people, you know, other authors. And, you know. I loved your books. I gave them five stars. I'm very honest with my reviews. And, you know, and you're my closest friend and my business partner. So, of course, I'm going to recommend your books. Um, If I didn't like them, I wouldn't have recommended. But I didn't realize until I went to my page and I was scrolling down to see if I had an extra review or something. And I'm like, oh, my recommendations are down there. So, yeah, it'll say I recommend Mackenzie Stewart's books, um, and it uh, you can click on it, and it'll go right to the page where you can buy it. Oh, thank you, Amy. So I think I, that's a a very nifty feature. Th- thank you. I appreciate that because right now I'm kind of stuck with my other book. I, I keep wanting to go in one direction, then I'm stopping, and then I want to take it in another direction. So um, I just kind of pause right now. I do have some things written, but it's like um, – I don't know. It's, it's, it's like I, I'm I'm trying to, you know, I'm really trying to figure it out um, because, you know, with with one thing I want, you know, my all, you know, my character Oliver Hall. He he's going to be a little bit more prominent, and you mm-hmm. know, he was in my detective spinoff series, and so I was thinking, so should this be the first spinoff? Um, so. Yeah. So, so I got a lot to kind of figure out, but no, I, I definitely appreciate that. And it's really nice to hear since I am in such of a uh, quandary about what am I going to do with, with my actual books. Um, you know, and I can understand that. I, I, you know, I get started on projects and short stories, but something last week, I woke up like six o'clock in the morning and I'm like, oh, I gotta write this story. Years mm-hmm. ago, mm-hmm. I um, I participated in a local. Uh, it was like a ghost story um, contest because mm-hmm. there's a uh, the town that I lived in or live in Balsam Spa. Um, so I wrote a poem about this ghost and stuff like that. And I always thought, oh, maybe someday I'll write like a historical ghost story, you know, mm-hmm. with this town. So I wrote that down in a notebook and put the notebook in my drawer, and I never got back to it. But then last week I woke up, and I, the second day in a row I woke up, and I had the same idea. So I started writing. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I got to, I want to find out more of, like, I want to do a lot of research on, like, the history of it, of, you know, my hometown. I've never, I call it my hometown because it's the only place that I've ever lived that I felt like at home. Mm, Um, I I moved there when I was 13, and even when I grew up, that's where I wanted to go back after everything happened and where I Mm -hmm. wanted to stay. I could Mm -hmm. be a millionaire, not that I am, but that's where I would always live. So Mm -hmm. I bought a book on the history of Balsam Spa, and I started reading it, and I got it yesterday, and then I started reading it and writing notes, and then mm-hmm. I got caught up in lear- what I was learning that mm-hmm. I I created, I like, plastered my walls and my whiteboard of, with any space that I could with mm-hmm. ideas and old maps and things like that, and for the first time... In a very long time, I got really excited about what I was doing, especially when it came to, like, writing. It's like I'm so caught up in the research, and I'm, it's making me very excited. 
So oh, that's it. my I story love, might I take a long thing. time. It's yeah, and I, I it's like my kids don't care, you know. They know I, I write, and they they know it's hard for me. But mm-hmm. I'm like showing them. I'm like, you gotta see it. I got this whiteboard it's all covered with old maps and I'm like look at this and this book has all these pictures and you know they could care less but they saw that I was excited about something and I haven't been in a very long time so I just kind of wanted to share that oh that's that's great I I yeah so hopefully you know I'll have something um to update everybody on next week so <laughs> I hope so too yeah we'll it's just see. been forever we'll... you know it's been forever I've written stories but this is the first time I feel really really excited Aww. about it that's great it's, it's so nice to hear well we are definitely approaching our second uh, second half hour um, we this is the after show with Mackenzie Stewart and Amy Shannon, and um, we do have a guest with us here today. Um, hi, hi, Joanne. Hello. Hello. Hi. We have hi. with us Joanne Toscano. Did I did I pronounce yes. it correctly? Uh, yeah, I, I I just go by Joe Toscano. Okay. All right, Joe. Hey, Joe, thank you so much for, for being with us today. Um, we are definitely very excited and thrilled. Uh, one of the things that we like um, all of our guests to do is just tell us just a little bit about yourself. Um, when did you start writing or when did you fall in love with writing? And uh, tell us about that particular journey. Well, my career before I became a full-time writer was as an English teacher and I taught English and English as a second language and drama in state high schools in New South Wales and later on I went and did uh, four years in the international uh, English teaching industry in Sydney and um, I, ever since I was in high school, ever since I was a child, I just absolutely loved reading and my parents instilled in me a great love of reading my dad used to take us to the library once a week and my mum sewed up special library bags for my sister and I and dad would take us to the library and we would spend an hour there looking at books and choosing what we wanted and I think uh, my love of reading started back then and I think I was about 12 when I decided to write my first novel um, about horses of course as lots of girls do and um, from there, I, I loved English in high school. It was my favourite uh, my favorite subject. I just kept on reading and I kept on writing. And, um, yeah, so my journey started really early and it just kept continuing. Uh, I became an English teacher. Uh, I loved it. And then from there, I went back and did a master's in writing and then I started to write full-time. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice to hear. So, um, you know, there's definitely, um, you know, all of us know know this, and you know, our listeners are um, many of them are authors as well, so they know this as well. That in order to write, you have to read, <laughs> right? You have you have yeah. to read, and those particular trips to the library, you know, those those um, little gifts. Um, and I call I'm calling your your book that you're getting from the library your gifts your little gifts you're putting in your your designated bag that your mother that your that your mother uh, gave you and your your sibling yes. and you know you you came home with it and you was very excited to open up your 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 bag of presents and that that's yeah. truly our story those are those stories to to really show and demonstrate how important reading is and some of those very um, simple but memorable, you know, events. Once a week going to the library, yeah. once every two weeks, you know. Those, those things are very precious. Well, they are. And I think, I think you know, we've, we've got to start very young with children to, mm-hmm. to really um, instill that love of reading into them. And I, I, as a teacher, I've always thought that's important. And uh, um, as a writer... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's vitally important that we keep up 
Um, we keep up the love of our language. I think that's really important. Mm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, know, definitely. And, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, we we try to, you know, one of the things that we do, you know, we definitely you know, spotlight authors, but then we also try to spotlight some of the things that's happening, uh, you know, culturally, and that's the banning of books. And that just saddens my heart. Yes. Um, my heart is saddened yes. to hear that, just because that's how we yes. learn. You know, we, we learn, you yes. know, Amy was talking about a book uh, on the history of the town that she loves, um, that she calls her hometown. Yes. And, you know, someone right. reading her book, they can learn the history of that town. So we, we, there's chunks yes. and nuggets that we can learn from. Yes, yes, we can. And I think, too, when you write yourself, um, even if you're writing fiction, I write both, nonfiction and fiction, mm-hmm. but even when you're writing fiction, there's a certain amount of research that you have to do as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I find that really interesting to do, to do that research because I learn something, too, uh, I'm writing a new novel at the moment and I've been doing a lot of research about the deserts in Australia and mm-hmm. um, a lot of things I didn't know and it's my country and I suspect that a lot of other Australians who've never visited the desert in Australia, um, yeah, I, I feel it's a privilege to pass on those facts to them, um, even through fiction. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I write fiction, and I do have to do a certain amount of research to make to make what you know I'm trying to do plausible, right? Um, I have to yes. make sure that you know I have these dead bodies in the backyard, and and you know you know they're gonna do they're gonna. Um, <laughs> Amy, Amy loves it when I talk about my the dead bodies and all the things. So they have to decompose, and they have to do it at different rates, and so. <laughs> You know, you know, I'm t- t- telling her about everything that I learned, and I'm sure she's like, "Oh, please stop, please stop! I don't want to know." But, um, but no, you're, Joe, you're certainly right with the amount of of knowledge that you um, actually have to know. Um, one of the things that I want you to do is uh, tell us about the book that you're wanting to promote on the show today, and then start going into a little bit about about the story, so our listeners can understand what the book is about. Okay. Uh, The novel is called The River Child. It's my first novel. And it's about um, a missing toddler. And it's the uh, the mystery surrounding what happened to this little girl. She was three when she disappears. And not only what happened to this little girl, but the impact on the community when this child disappears. And the consequences of people with family secrets, with community secrets, with, with all sorts of things and skeletons in the closet that come out when this little girl disappears. And what happens is it's also exploring what happens when a community turns on each other so that trust is eroded and suspicions abound in the community about what may have happened to this little girl and who may have been involved. So it's, yeah, it's centered around the disappearance of a child and what happens in the community. And then uh, it's the unraveling of the protagonist's history because when this little girl goes missing, the protagonist was a child herself. And later on, about 30 years or 28 years later, she comes back to this community, which she has eschewed for all of her life because the events that happened were just too tragic. So she moves away from the community. And then 28 years later, she comes back. And she's got to face a lot of things that happened in her childhood. And the novel, the second half centers around on her perceptions of what happened and what really happened. So that's the novel, and uh, I was inspired to write it because when I was 10, I think I was about 10, uh, a child went missing in our neighbourhood. We grew up in the suburbs of Sydney, and back in those days there was what was called then migrant hostels, 
when newly arrived migrants from mostly from Britain but sometimes from Europe were housed in an old army barracks in our um, in our neighbourhood, and this little girl went missing um, for about three days, and I I remember back then the impact that it had on the community and how people were not so much turning against each other but how there were rumours just swirling around the community about who would have taken her and why someone would have kidnapped her. And I remember even, you know, some of my friends, I mean, we were about 10 at the time, but I just remember, you know, some of the girls saying, oh, I think, you know, XYZ's brother took her because he's a bit of a creep or I think someone's Mm -hmm. father took her because, you know, and so... Mm -hmm. That really, uh, the menacing feel of of not only her disappearance, but what the community, the feel of the community at the time, inspired me to write this novel. Hmm. You know, Joe. Um, you know, your particular experience um, is something that happens um, in communities all around. You know, um, in the United States, we had um, a a um, murder of um, some college um, uh, young people, some college uh, individuals, and that, that's how rumors were spread. And people were, because now we have sleuths, right? We have people that they yeah. will comb through social media and they would, and, and you know, and in many cases, not, I don't know necessarily in this particular case that I'm describing, but in many cases, they help the police with leads. People are really combing through social media. They're combing through a lot of things to, to bring on leads for the police. But, but you're right. People's perception, and they go off of maybe they've had a bad experience with someone or someone made them feel um, you know, some, some type of way. And so now it's like, well, this person could have done it. So I, I think that um, more than not, I think you're going to have many people that can um, really, um, really, you know, understand, you know, where where are you going in the particular novel, and they can probably reconcile with themselves that you know what I've done this before too. Like I've 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 you know, done this. Yeah. Been like oh yeah, yeah, the parents did it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. All of that um, speculation that just swirls around at the time when these things happen. Mm. Yeah. Um, even if, even we, if the problem, um, yeah, even if they they've never been solved, um, you know, yes. and the parents could be long dead. Um, we still have open cases, exactly. and they suspected the parents, but they were never able to um, prove it in any way, yeah. but with that hanging over their parents' head, imagine that they didn't do it, and then, you know, that they still have that, that stigma of, oh, well, you probably killed your child, or, um, you know, a yeah. parent might think that, or kids might think that some, you know, everybody's perception is different, mm-hmm. but a lot of times yeah. they, they take in consideration, they judge people just based on, you know, what they hear snippets from the news and they think, oh, yeah, just mm. because they talk to the parents, they automatically think that they did it or, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, mm. Mm. yeah. and I think people are, um, for whatever reason, they're often drawn to the most, uh, you know, the most extreme scenarios. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and everything sort of unravels from there. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah, they they base their assumptions because, say, someone else had killed their child or someone, mm-hmm. you know, else has, you know, what, whatever, just because somebody else did something, they assume that, okay, all parents, when their kids go missing, they probably killed them, you know, because yeah. someone did at some point. Well, every time yeah. I watch Dateline, yeah. you know, here in the United States, if a wife dies, it's a husband. Like I, that, like they can go ahead and tell their story, how you know they're gonna prolong the show, but I already have in my mind that the husband did it, right? <laughs> or vice versa, yeah. or the wife. Did it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now, 
Mm. Is there? Do you have an excerpt that you would like to read from from the from the book so that yes. the audience? Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. Just want them to get a a feel for your writing style. That would be awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'll just read. Um, I'll read uh, a little bit of the beginning. Um, sure. Okay. So, the day Elise Boatman disappeared seemed at first to be no different from any other day. Morning came, replete with pink-orange hues, after days of relentless rain. The air was thickly textured with sounds and smells that signaled the safety of routine. Showers steaming, pots banging, and bacon spitting under a not-so-clean grill. The staff at the guest house woke, reluctantly shed their nighttime fantasies, and climbed into their dull daily personalities like small part actors ready for the stage. It was a Thursday, the fifth week of the long school holidays, 1971, the day my mother blew the perfect smoke ring. Cotton-coloured clouds scudded across the sky. The skin of the day stretched over us, and just before 11.30, my mother's screams shattered the stillness. She ran from the garden into the kitchen. She was sweating, shaking, her words tumbling out in short, breathy spurts. Elise is missing, she said. She doubled over, panting, as if the effort of getting those three words out had spent her energy. The news spread quickly. Hearts banged with panic and heads swam dark with imagination. A delivery truck came down the guest house drive into the village and soon everybody knew. Phone lines buzzed. The villagers ran up the hill to the guest house. My mother's screams were contagious. Other women and men shouted Elise's name. The staff abandoned their post. Walter Heather, the maintenance man, dropped his tools and swore. A sergeant from the village arrived within a short time. An hour later, police, police rescue and emergency services arrived on the island. And after a day had passed and there was no sign of the girl, thoughts about finality crept in, hovering like a net ready to fall, menacing, catching everyone, entwining them all, the staff, the guests, the family and the onlookers. All were bound together by the thoughts that surface when a child goes missing. Thoughts about the searing chasm where a life should have been and the gaping hole of missed opportunities. The celebrations, graduations, weddings and grandchildren that would never be. The room that would be left untouched for years. The teddy bear on the pillow yellowing over time. Its remaining marble eye dull with dust. So that's a little bit of a little bit of a excerpt from the river child very powerful uh, about when it goes missing yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> now that's definitely um great um amy is there a book review or have you posted it already well i i had read the book back in 2021 Oh, okay. um, but I did pull it up. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I did re- read it back then. Um, and I, let's see here. Uh, let me just pull it up. Okay. I uh, I gave it uh, four stars and called it a grand read. Toscano pens a grandly dramatic story in The River Child. I haven't read work from this author before, and I enjoyed the story. The author brings the story to life, and the characters have a lot of depth and were very intense. I read a lot of stories and love the different writing styles and storytelling abilities. This author, indeed, can tell stories, a story that is filled with grief and regret and self-blame, but there is a lot more layers to the story to show that there are more secrets buried, possibly with young Elise, a toddler who died suspiciously. Siobhan is a character that can't forget that tragic day, and it still haunts her. Hmm. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. I I had to dig it up, but I found it. I <laughs> save every every review I've ever written. No, that was that was a great review. I really appreciated that. I really did. Thank you. Yeah, oh, you're welcome. And Fantastic. you can. Oh, I I'm not sure if that's the only book that, of yours I've read, but if you have other books, you can feel free to email them to me. I would love to read more of your work. 
Oh, thank you. I do have another novel coming out. Well, I, I'm hoping it's this year. It's called Under Andromeda, um, also by Odyssey Books. Um, and I'm writing another novel at the moment. So I'm hoping there'll be, hoping there'll be a few more. Yeah. Great, great. Send them whenever that you're is, ready. That's awesome. That's awesome. Are you? Do you write full time or or not? Or you just write I, whenever? You... I um. Well, I I sort of have I have a lot of strings to my bow at the moment. Um, I I work part time as a content creator for a little mm-hmm. educational company called Imagine Me and. We do something that's very different that uh, hasn't really been done before. And so what we're doing is we are creating educational programs uh, with a fusion of uh, the best of Western pedagogy and also Aboriginal pedagogy, uh, Aboriginal ways of learning and content. Uh, It's called the Eight Ways. And so what we're doing is a fusion of traditional educational methods and First Nations methods. And we're putting them together in programs for early learning. And I've just written one for high school, uh, which does, uh, which focuses on how to understand poetry, because uh, it's something that teachers and students struggle with. So how to understand poetry from using visual techniques. Uh, so it's, it's like visual techniques and metaphorical language. And that's the program I've written. Uh, which will be out probably the end of this year. Yeah, so I do that part time, and I also wow. do um, nonfiction. I've written um, two nonfiction books. One got published in, uh, about eleven years ago, and I'm having one uh, this year coming out this year with Pantera Press, which is the story of uh, uh, Linda Holden and uh, forced adoption um, of a First Nations child um, illegally. Um, and that's coming out this year, so I was doing that. And um, congratulations, mentoring. Thank you. Um, and I'm also having a lovely time mentoring a First Nations man who is in jail. And he is a novelist, and he loves reading and writing. And I was put into contact with him, and um, we've been working on his stuff for about three years. And I would love to see him published one day because he's very enthusiastic about writing. Um, and yeah, so that keeps me busy. Um, so I, I've got a few things going on, and there's never enough hours in the day. Oh yeah, yeah just a few, just a few <laughs> things going on. Wow, yes, you definitely yes. do. Um, that's that's wonderful. That is wonderful uh, to hear. Yes. And I love to read either. It doesn't matter if it's nonfiction or fiction. I'd love to read and review your work. So um, I, I read both. Oh, yep, yep. I would, I would definitely um, send that on. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Great. It's a, it's a fascinating story. Uh, the, the nonfiction that's coming out about the um, First Nations child that under forced adoption um, at the time. It, it's a really good story. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I can't wait so, to read yeah, it. I'll, I'll send that to you. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. So, you know, as we think about, you know, all the many different things that you're doing to, um, you know, de- definitely help support um, authors to really get them mm. reading, get them engaged, um, get them learning. Mm. Um, if you had some advice to give someone who um, is starting their writing journey, what advice would you give them? Well, um, there's there's a few things. I mean, obviously the first one is obviously to read, 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 Um, Mm -hmm. to read, you know, read within your genre, of course. But I've often found, I've also found myself, and I don't know whether it's because I'm an English teacher, but every single aspect of our language just fascinates me. So, Me too. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm older and wiser, but I would still encourage people to read outside their genre as well because sometimes you pick up different techniques. Um, I would also say, because I'm extremely old-fashioned when it comes to this, I would say to learn learn the grammar rules. Um, yeah. I edit a lot of manuscripts. Yeah, and I edit a lot of manuscripts uh, myself and... I think it's a great shame that certainly in Australia we have completely 
over the decades throwing out grammar. Um, oh, and yeah. it makes me very sad. It's <laughs> not just in so Australia. Say, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It's not just, I've, I think too many times people, because of, there's so many abbreviated forms and text speak and yeah. different yep. forms, I think sometimes grammar just kind of goes out the window. I do editing as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, I even, you know, you know, people don't even write in cursive anymore. They're not, they're not teaching it. You know, it's exactly. kind of almost like a foreign language. And, I mean, yeah. I homeschooled yeah. my, my boys, so I made sure they knew how to read read and write cursive. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think those lost skills are really important. So, I, you know, I, I would just basically say read within your genre, read outside your genre as well because you pick up techniques, um, learn the grammar rules, and if you have time... Um, engage with all the elements of, of, of our language. I mean, read the classics, read some postmodernism, read some theory if you've got time and if you understand it. Um, learn the grammar rules. Uh, it, it, it's, the English is such an amazing language when, when we really study it and there's so many elements to it. And I'd say if a person has time and inclination, um, that, and, that's what, and my last um, piece of advice would be, um, don't write a whole novel and show nobody. Um, write a few chapters and then show an editor so that you don't waste your time doing a whole novel and you're on the wrong track or, or something's not right. Uh, I did that for years. I, I squirreled away my writing showing nobody. And then finally when I did get to meet my editor and agent, um, it, it changed everything. So I'd say find yeah. yourself an editor um, do it, you know, write three or four or five chapters and then find yourself an editor to get some advice so that you don't waste time and you're not on the wrong track. Yeah. That's great advice. I mean, I always tell people that, because I review children's books, um, that okay. I think all adults, I think adults should books more, not just to their own child, but they should, they should, they could learn a lot if they would read a child's book. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Yeah, and kids' books are often very funny too. <laughs> so oh, oh yes, um, I, I love reading the the yeah. kids' books and the, and and the way. Um, I mean, I used to write stories, but just for my own kids. I never published those because they were about my own kids, and I would read them to them, and they loved them, and they would laugh, and um, you know, yeah. any time I could, I would I would read to them, and. I read a lot of children's books, and I just think that more adults, they should read them. They would learn a lot. I'm and they would be kind. To my list of... <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's great. I'm going to add to my list of advice that I give people. Read children's books. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I think that's really good advice. Mm. Mm. So, Joe, you know, thinking about everything that you do, what's next for you? I know you're writing. What's next? It sounds like you are a person. You have some thoughts about um, what's next on your horizon. What's next? Um, well, I I need to finish this novel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm very I'm very excited about it because in March I've, I've been accepted into the Faber Writing Academy mm-hmm. and um, that's, that's the Alan and Unwin's um, Writing Academy in Sydney um, and I was very um, honoured to get in there because it's not easy to get in there. Um, anyway, my writing has been accepted so I'm going to start that in March and um I would like to also, in the future, I think, I would love to teach writing. Um, I taught writing as a high school teacher, of course, for many, many, many years. But I think I would like to actually teach people about writing a novel. I think I've got enough under my belt now mm-hmm. to impart techniques and advice. Um, so that's something that I'm looking to do in the future. And um, I'm going to keep on um, doing educational projects uh, with this little company using uh, working with our First Nations people. Um, so that's also into the future. 
So, um, yeah, so that's basically what I'll be doing. Hmm. Well, thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much for being our guest today. Uh, The listeners can find your information on our website called Our Guest. Thank you for listening to the after show. I'm Mackenzie Stewart. And I'm Amy Shannon. Anything that you need to know about us is on our website, wetheaftershow.wixsite.com slash home. Join us again next week. Have a nice night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.